Hi, and welcome to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. We meet every Saturday at 11 a.m. at 584 Franklin Road in Franklin, Tennessee. You can find out more information on our website at koldodi.org or watch us live on our Facebook or YouTube by simply searching for Koldodi Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 30, if you would, and Edward's going to also, Edward's going to come up. Edward, if you would, the shofar again, as we're continuing to do, just before Rosh Hashanah, a week away, and the sound of the shofar in Scripture, we'll be talking about next week, then and when, next week, on, for our day service. So you will seek me and you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart, we just continue to repeat that. Jeremiah 29, 13, God's promise through Jeremiah um, to all of us and to our people. Uh, Elul, this month that is ending in a week, means search as we enter the coming month of Tishri. And Jews worldwide searching for soul repair, deeper relationship with the God of Israel during this period leading up to the high holy days as the shofar is blown daily. It's not typically blown, blown on Shabbat, but we're blown on Shabbat. So let's, as Edward, uh, beautiful job that he does blowing the shofar, pray for, let's pray for our Jewish people near and far and for anyone, of course, our loved ones that doesn't, don't know Yeshua, don't know our Messiah, don't know God. I want to come back to the Lord. Many believe that Yeshua will return in the month of Tishri, which begins on Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Teruah, and uh, we should be ready when the great shofar sounds, as the Lord is judging the earth, uh, Yom Hadin in Jewish tradition, and the Sefer HaChaim, the Book of Life, is open. <laughs> This portion of Parsha today, this two part, the double Parsha, but Mitzavim begins Deuteronomy 29.9. You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, before Adonai Elohim, Elohim. You are standing today, 29.9. Father, open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. We pray, teach us, be our more, morenu. Moreno, our teacher, God. Moreno, let's say it, Moreno, our teacher. Be our teacher, O God. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to see, Lord, because apart from you, we can't see. Apart from your spirit, bringing light to in your With you is the fountain of light, of life. In your light, we see light. And apart from you, we're blind. We can't see. 
open our eyes so we can see, so that we can walk where you want us to walk. Hashem Yeshua. Amen. You are standing today, all of you, before Adonai, your God. He says, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, the outsider within your camp. In Jewish tradition, Rosh Hashanah, the day is the day of judgment, and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. That's what it means. Yom Kippur actually is not in the Bible. Actually, the word is Yom HaKippurim. It's a day of atonement. It's a day of much more than enough atonement. God doesn't just provide barely enough, but he provides an atonement more than enough when God provides. So it's Yom HaKippurim is the biblical word, really. But the day of judgment is Yom HaDin, and who can stand? Who can stand? The prophet Mala, not Malachi, the Italian prophet, you know, they always make that joke. Not, but Malachi, Malachi asks, he says, but who can endure the day of his coming, right? Who can endure the day of his coming? Or who can stand when he appears? Wow. For he will be like a refiner's fire. Malachi 3, verse 2. And so as believers, we are standing today. How are we standing today if we know the Lord, if we know our Messiah? We're standing before God in grace. Bechen or bechesed, in grace. Charis would be the Greek word. Chen or chesed would be the Hebrew words for grace. We're standing before the Lord in grace. Did you know that? Because of Yeshua, the Messiah. Romans 5.2, 1 Peter 5.12. This is the true grace of God in which you stand, he says. Now, Yom Hadin is coming. Thank God that we are in Messiah and he was judged for all of our sins in our place. And so we stand in Chen or Chesed. We stand in grace this morning. Now, as far as divine judgments go, it's quite a topic in Scripture. There's me- there are many judgments to come. There's much in Scripture about the judgments and we're not going to mention all of them. But as far as they go, I'm going to mention three. One is the purifying judgment now that goes on for all of us as believers. The purifying judgment. First Corinthians, I'm going to read one passage and quote some others. But First Corinthians 11, verses 30 through 32 says, For this reason many are sick, weak and sick, and quite a few have died. This would be what we would call premature death for the believer. They had actually, some had actually gone to be with the Lord ahead of time, ahead of when God wanted them to. Premature death for the believer. Weak and sick because they had not discerned, says we were, they weren't discerning the Lord's body. It's a whole context, another story. But for if we were judging ourselves thoroughly, we would not be coming under judgment. But here's the verse, verse 32. But when we are judged, we are being disciplined by the Lord so that we might not be condemned along with the world. It's the pre-purifying judgment now, divine discipline. First Peter 1.7 says there's fiery trials that are refining us. 
and they're meant to refine us. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, speaks about divine discipline. God disciplines, it says, not because we're not his children, but the proof that we are, that we belong to him, that we he is our Abba, our Father, and we are his sons and daughters. He disciplines us. He corrects us. And it's proof, it says in that, in that passage, Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, and it's in so that we might live so that we might have chayim, real life, and so that we might be sharers in his holiness, and we might bring forth fruit. So we might bear, have the, it talks about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So God corrects us, God disciplines us, and John 15, too, we bring forth fruit. So right now, we undergo a discipline from the Lord, a correction from the Lord, if we're walking with him. It, it's, a, it's an indication that we are his, not that we're not his. And it's part of purification. But in the future, two important judgments are coming. Number one, the coming bima judgment. That bima, you know, that's a Greek term for that platform from which the judge would stand. And it's, you know, Paul, Paul takes it in the new covenant from that, that, that Greek usage. But the, it's the, for the believer, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah so that each one may receive what is due for the things he did while in the body, whether good or bad. It's not a matter of good works and bad works. Really, what is good, Yeshua said, no one is good but God. It's what is done in God versus I clearly look at it this way. What is done in God and through God versus what is done apart from him. So what is done in him will last. What is done apart from him will be burned up, will not last. What is in is considered bad. So will be judged, says, whether good or bad, what we did in the body. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore do not judge anything before the time until the Lord comes. Don't even think about judging before the time. You can't have, a, you can't have an accurate evaluation. I can't. I don't see clearly until the Lord comes and it says he will bring to light the things hidden in darkness and also make clear the motives of the heart. He makes clear the motives of the heart. He sees we don't see what's in the heart. How many times have you been wrong? Ever been wrong? <laughs> oh, gosh. Ever feel humbled? Oh my gosh, God forgive me. I was so wrong. I totally misjudged that motive. I, I misjudged. Forgive me, God. And you have to really repent. Don't judge anything for the time. First Corinthians 4, 5. He's going to reveal. Romans 14, 10. For we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. Every single one of us. First Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, the foundation, no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is the Messiah, Yeshua. He's the foundation. And if anyone builds on that foundation, gold, silver, precious or costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw, two different groups. One is combustible, and the other is going to endure the fire, the flames, right? So he says... What, what are you building? He says, each one's work will become clear for the day will show it because it's revealed by fire. And the fire itself will test each one's work, each man's work, what sort it is. What, again, what sort it is. Is it God's or is it mine? Is it 
flesh or is it spirit? Is it God or me? What sort it is? If anyone's work built, it's, you know, it's a lot of things. I don't care if it's done in the name of God. It doesn't mean it's God. It's got to be really through him. A lot of things are done in the name of God and have nothing to do with him at all. They're really done for, for, for self-glory. What sort of, if anyone's work built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. God wants to give us rewards. We're going to reign with him. He's, we're going to rule with him. We're going to have responsibilities. We're not, you know, harps on clouds or anything like that. You know, you know, we are going to be, there's going to be kingdoms. There's going to be responsibilities. He wants us to have reward. He wants to be able to say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself, but he himself will be saved, but as through fire, loss of reward, maybe embarrassment, maybe some, you know, it's shame. First John 2.28, matter of fact, says, don't be ashamed. Let us, uh, don't, we don't want to be ashamed at, at his coming. So don't we want to shrink back. We don't want to be ashamed. So, but this is, God wants to be able to reward us. And this is building on gold, silver, costly stones. But one is going to endure, one is not. Second, Second Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, the time of my departure, Paul says, near the end of his life has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, the shofet, the shofet, the tzaddik, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day and not to me only, but also to all, to everyone who has longed for his appearing. We're looking for that. We're longing for his appearing. This is the Bema seat of the Messiah, the judgment seat of the Messiah for the believer. Philippians 2.12, 2, 2 says, Paul says, So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For the one working in you is God, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. In other words, he gives me the will and the desire and the power. He gives me the desire. He gives me the, what, what desires he put, and the power to do his will. Hold fast, he says, hold fast the word of life so that I may boast in the day of Messiah that I didn't run or labor in vain. That day, capital day, that yom, that day of Messiah, he says, it's going to come. That's the day of judgment. It's going to come. And he says, he says, don't do it. Do everything about grumbling and complaining that you may, and hold forth the word of life that you may have that reward. Paul says, I worked harder than everyone in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, than all, but not I, the grace of God that was with me. So it's going to be an amazing thing. God wants to reward. God's going to, it's wood, hay, and straw. No, we want, that's going to be a burn up. Anything done in me through, without him, apart from him. It's not a matter of pleasing people. It's not a matter of pleasing God, living through him, letting him live through me, do it through me. But then there's another judgment coming. What's that? The great white throne judgment, the final judgment, the great white throne judgment for the, and this is, I, I don't know if you've ever heard Billy Graham. Some of you don't even know him because you're too young. I remember hearing him say this. I loved it. He'd say, he'd say, that day there's going to be the white throne. He described that great white throne judgment. He said, there's a day coming. He says, and I just want to tell you, he says, I'm not going to be there. He says, I won't be there. <laughs> and it's something like that. I have to, I have to find the recording. I should have before I looked. But I loved it. He would say, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> and because this is for the unbeliever, 
This is for the unbeliever. Revelation 20, verse 11, 12, and 15. I'm going to give you just quote part of it. Then I saw a great white throne and the one seated on it. The earth and the heaven fled from his presence, but no place is found for them. Oh, what an ominous picture. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, the kise, the throne of God. The books were opened. We're coming to the high holidays and the books are opened. And another book was opened, the book of life, Sefer Chachaim, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what was written in the books, according to their deeds. And then he concludes a little later on, if anyone was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10 seems to write a, have, record a partially similar vision of the Ancient of Days, sitting on his, taking his seat on his throne ablaze with flames, with thousands standing before him. And again, it says, as the books were opened. So it seems to be the closest parallel to this, this uh, picture, this revelation in Revelation chapter 20 of the great white throne judgment. And it says all these, the books were open. Malachi 3 says, behold, again, he's coming, says the Lord of, Lord of, Adonai Tzavot, the Lord of the armies. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire. For behold, the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace when all the proud and every evildoer will become stubble. The day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of armies. That's why I really should translate Adonai Tzavot, the Lord of the armies, leaving them neither, neither, neither root nor branch. But you who fear my name, you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now Romans 2.16 says, on the day when God judges the secrets of men according to my good news through the Messiah Yeshua. Isaiah, this is parallel, Isaiah chapter 2 describes the day, this day of the Lord, this day of the, when the man of haughty eyes is humbled and the lofty ones brought low, for the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Many citations in the prophets of this time when all the proud will be humbled. Any, any pride in humbled and God alone exalted. God alone in that day. The great white throne judgment. If your name's not found written in the book of life, God says, you're thrown, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We want our names to be found in the book of life. I didn't write it, the Bible. It's in the scriptures. It's the scriptures. Now, look at chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Amazing passage. This whole chapter, 30, we're just going to look at the first six or seven verses briefly, but the whole chapter describes what Nachmanides or Ramban in the 13th century, calls the Messianic Times. Anyone ever get the Messianic Times publication? We used to have the papers. We used to get a whole bunch of them, buy a bunch of them every, I think, what well, it's come out quarterly, I think. It, and I don't think it's being published anymore. Is it still being published? I don't know. We used to get them. But Messianic Times, uh, anyway, it was a really good, uh, great publication. Well, anyway, this is describing the Messianic Times. That's the future of Israel when and the future of when the Messiah is reigning on the earth and the future of the nations in Israel. Look at this. So it's an amazing portion that Moses writes in his last day. Um, 
Verse 1, now when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I have set before you, and you take them to heart in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice according to all that I'm commanding you today, and you and your children, you, you and your children, with all your heart, with all your soul, then the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and your and have compassion on you, and he will return and gather you from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. Hallelujah. Even if your outcasts are at the ends of the heavens. Wow, so God knew it would happen. We'd be scattered in the diaspora all throughout the four corners of the earth. Even if your outcasts are at the ends of the heavens, from there, Misham, let's say Misham, Misham, from there, Adonai, will, your God, will gather you from there. He says it, Misham again. He will bring you no distance too far. God, the Lord your God, will bring you into the land your fathers possessed, and you will possess it, and he will do you good and multiply you more than your fathers. Also, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants so you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all, that in order that you might live. So this is a spiritual revival, a spiritual restoration after a spiritual, uh, after a physical restoration. And, you know, I love 1 John 4.10 says, says, uh, no man can love God. It says that really here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We can't love God. You know, we recite the via hafta every Shabbat and, you know, and every day for an Orthodox Jew. We recite every, you shall love the Lord. But really, we can't. It's God has to circumcise our heart. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us through the, through the circumcision of the heart that we can love God. And he actually is the lover through us as we yield to him. So this whole chapter is amazing. And it says when, verse 1, when, not if, key, Back to verse 1, key, let's say key, key, when, not if, not im, not im, not if, you will experience, it says when does you have the blessing and the curse, you will experience the blessing and the curse in the land and outside of it. You will take these things to heart in the diaspora. You will, and you will return to the Lord. It's going to happen. You will listen to his voice. It's going to happen. God sees the future. He knows it. When all these things come upon you, he sees it all. Isaiah 46, verse 10 says, I am the Lord, I am God, and there's none like me declaring the end from the beginning. Aren't you glad that you have a God who knows the end and he declares it from the beginning? From ancient time, what is yet to come, saying, my purpose will stand and I will accomplish all that I please. He's got it all together. He knows, and he's telling us. God knows that we seem only to learn through our mistakes. It's true. Our unwise choices. I wish we only had to go through the blessings, but sometimes we make, but we make stupid choices, and we have the consequences of them, but God turns the curse into a blessing. Amen? 23.5 of Deuteronomy. He turns it around if we turn to him. And so verse 2 says, and you return. You return to the Lord. You, that's what you will, you will return to the Lord your God and you'll listen to his voice. You'll return the Shavta. You will return. 
as far as to the Lord your God, as far as to the Lord your God. And this is teshuva, teshuva. This is to the Lord your God. Israel will return to the Lord their God. It's not a question mark. Shuv, return. It's used seven different ways. Let's say the word shuv. Shuv, teshuva is from it. But it's used seven different ways, this verb here, in this, in verses one through ten. Now in the rabbinic doctrine of, the, the rabbinic doctrine of teshuva, repentance, later developed to replace the priestly practice of kapara, atonement. For us, as Messianic believers, it does not replace it, but it accompanies it. Got it? It accompanies it. It doesn't replace it. And it's based upon it. It's based upon Yeshua's sacrifice, his final atonement. So our repentance, it's based upon, it's not, it doesn't replace atonement. There's no replacing. Yeshua made the final atonement but repentance accompanies it, and it's based upon it. Teshuva, it starts with a decision to return, which literally means teshuva is to move backward. You say backward, yeah, to move backward in order to move forward. You move backward in order to move. Teshuva, returning to the way things were, not before salvation, but at salvation. Think about it. When you were, when we were born again, when you had that burn, what happened? If any person be in Messiah, all th- behold, all things are passed away. All things are made what? New. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When you were regenerated, rebirth, that rebirth happened, all things were made new. We were reborn, birthed out of the birth canal into a new world from darkness into light, from Egypt across the Yom Saf, the Red Sea, or Sea of Reeds, so to speak. We were without sin at that new season, because all of a sudden, we our sins were lifted, we we were forgiven, and we experienced a new birth. I remember the experience I had. I was I, I was just thinking of this. I, I remember watching one of my favorite movies, The Wizard of Oz. Ever watched The Wizard of Oz? Like The Wizard of Oz? That's usually in the fall, right? We're coming to the fall. I think it's fall time every year they show it. And I watched it, and all of a sudden, it was like the movie was new to me. Like. I, because I was a new believer, everything was spiritual to me. And every little thing about the movie was I was getting spiritual, like, like, you know, meanings out of it. Like, you know, the path, this is the path of life. Or this is the, you know, when they're going down Yellow Brick Road, going down the Yellow Brick Everything I was saying was to me. And it was just because first, uh, like Titus 1.15 says, to the pure, all things are pure. You know, and I was a brand new child of God and everything to me was new and it was, Biblical truth to me. I know the, I know it's not in the movie itself, but to me it was because the Holy Spirit was in me. And you, 1 Peter 1.23 says, You have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable, the eternal word of God. John 1.12 and 13, whoever, you, you, whoever received it, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons or daughters of God. You are born not of bloodline, nor of human desire, but of man's, not of man's will, but of God. Born from above, birth from above in John 3. Now God's newborn son, newborn daughter, and you just, what happened? Think about it. When you're born, you just love everybody, right? You forgive anybody and everybody, and your desire is only for God. So think of repentance as that. Teshuvah is returning to that place, returning to that place of not before salvation, but at salvation. 
you're a newborn. Think of it returning that to that place. Now, he says in verse 3, the Lord your God will turn, shuv, your shuvut, shuvut, your captivity. It's shuvut. He'll shuv your shuvut. He'll return your captivity, it says. And return and gather you from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So we're back to the land, gathered back to the land. Of course, the first return was from uh, Babylon, you know, the Galut. But the second return was, a, a, that was a local return. But the second was a an international return, which has happened in 48 and is still still happening today. And and so we have, God fulfills that. Shuv is three times here in verses two and three, and it's the turning around of the Hebrew letters in the word for captivity. God reverses our situation. He turns it around. Shvu and Shuv. He turns a curse into a blessing. He gives us beauty for ashes. He turns the valley of trouble into a door of hope. And he restores the years that the locust has eaten in Joel 2.25. The other is Hosea 2.17 and Isaiah 61 verse 3. God turns it. He reverses the situation. That's what God loves doing. And the Hebrew language brings it out so clear. He loves doing that. He does it for Israel. He does it for you. If you'll turn to him, he turns it around. You say, it's too bad. It's too, it's hopeless. No, it's not. He turns around. Even if your outcasts, verse four, are at the end of the heavens, from there, from there, you say, oh, it's too far. From there, the Lord your God will gather you. And from there, he'll bring you. From there, no distance is too distant. That the father of the prodigal son, it's interesting, I was listening to a parsha by a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi in uh, uh, another state, and, and he's quoting, he starts quoting, referring, uh, referencing the prodigal son. He doesn't say it's Luke 15, but he starts referencing the prodigal son. Even he's having, acknowledging, you know, he won't acknowledge Yeshua, but he's acknowledging that this, that, you know, that this is an amazing story of, that it has been such biblical truth. Did the pro- father of the prodigal son think he'd gone too far? Or for too long? No. Interesting. Interesting. Even if, says, im Adonai, even, im Yehiyeh, rather, im Yehiyeh, even if your outcasts are at the end of the heavens, the furthest heavens, say Hashemayim, end of the heavens, he never gives up on us. His promises for Israel stand, and his promises for all. From there, Misham, let's say it again, Misham. Misham, umisham, misham, from there and from there, he says. And he says, if, again, if, if from there, even if, even from there. Is it too hard? Is it too difficult? Whatever you're facing, whatever you've experienced, you say, That's, I blew it too much. It's too gone. I'm too far. It's too far gone. Or my, I, to pray for that. No, it's not too far gone. Even if from there, not too diff, too remote. No, not for God. It's not too. At the end of the heavens, from there I'll gather you. Shemaim, even there, and Sham are similar in the Hebrew words. Sham and Shemaim. It's almost like God has it right there in the Hebrew from the ends. The letters juxtaposed. God reaches as far as he needs to, and he turns everything around in order to restore us. Where can I go from your spirit, David says? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven... You're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in hell, look, you're there too. If I take the wings of the dawn and settle in the utter 
other side of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely darkness covers me, surely darkness covers me and night light is a distance from me, even darkness is not dark for you and night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike. Psalm 139, David says. How far is too far? At what point in Jewish history does God say, it's time to switch people groups. These people are gone too far for too long. No, he doesn't. God says he'll circumcise the heart in verse 6 to love the Lord. He does what only he can do. And now he takes over. And this work is permanent. It means the circumcision of the heart, a sensitive heart now to God. No barriers, no hindrances, able to be totally responsive to him when God circumcises our hearts. Barriers removed that block the relationship with God. You know, in our new bodies in the coming age, we will only desire to please God. Think about it. No desire for sin of any kind. I can't imagine it. No desire, no conflict. That's the way... No desire for sex outside of marriage. No for money just for yourself, to, for self, or power, the need to be liked. No need for more likes on your Instagram or Facebook page. <laughs> no, you won't care about appearance or never want revenge or ego. No sin whatsoever in the new bodies. God says, well, this is the circumcision of the heart when he does it for Israel. It's going to be amazing. He says, I'll give you a lev chadash beruach chadashah in Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart and a new spirit. I'll remove the stony heart, the lev ha'evan, the stony heart from the flesh, your flesh, and give you the heart of flesh, a lev basar. I'll put my spirit within you, ruhi, my spirit within you, and I'll cause you to walk in my my word, my rules and judgments, so keep them. Under the new covenant, we're given a sensitive heart to God, quick to repent, sensitive to his voice, whether it's reproving me for wrong, of doing wrong, or directing me into the right. And so Paul says, Galatians, walk by the Spirit. This I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. So we have the power now through the Spirit. We don't do it perfectly. But we have the power now because of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So I'll close with that story of in, in, the, in Luke 15 of the prodigal son. We won't read it, but, you know, it's an amazing one. He mentions Yeshua in telling it. talks about the hundred sheep. The one goes astray. The shepherd leaves the other 99 to go find it. And, uh, you know, he... He could have said, "For you know, why why worry about that? I've got ninety nine others, you know. Why?" But he he doesn't. He goes after it. But the coin, what's the big deal? The woman with the coin, I nine others. Why do you buy? But anyway, but the two sons, one younger, one old. You know the story. The son makes a decision. He says, "How immediate?" He says, "I'm going to come back." In verse, look at verse uh, 20, 18 through 20, if you would, just the, that portion. He says, I'll get up. He realized he came to his senses in verse 17. 
He's miserable. He says, how many of my father's hired workers have food overflowing? But I'm here dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father. This is Teshuvah. I'll get up and go back and I'll say to him, my fa- to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your presence. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. And he got up. So he not only said it, but he did it. He, then he got up and he went to his own father. And while he was still far far away, his father saw him, and his father ran up to him, and he said, wait a minute, okay, I'm listening, what do you have to say to me? I'm listening. Did you write it out? All right, I want to, did you write it all out? Write it, I want to hear it. He said, yeah. (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) I can't even, can't even begin to, he didn't even get to make his confession. I don't know if you've realized that. He not never even the father didn't even let him get out the words of his mouth, all of his confession, all of his he just was so excited to have him back. You know, the son could have thought, how immediate am I? You know, uh, or how how can I how can I come back? But he didn't let self condemnation keep him away. You know, what will people think? What will I and think about it. How immediate am I to welcome back someone who's repentant? Do I care what others think? Do I feel I need to prove their sincerity first? God doesn't do that. The robe, the ring, the fatted calf, maybe that the father gives him, they're too expensive. Let's wait and see first. Oh, wait a minute. It might upset his brother. Father didn't do any of that. Deuteronomy 30 verse 8. We didn't look at that, but he says, then you will, you will return and you'll listen to the voice of the Lord and do all his commands. Well, in verse, the son says, I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him. And he did. That's what he did. He listened. And in verse nine, the Lord your God will make you prosper, it says, when Israel comes back in all the work of your hand. Well, this is what the father did. He said, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf verse 22 quick bring out bring put the ring on his sandals on his feet bring out the fatted calf and kill it let's celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he's come back to life he was lost and he's found and then they began to celebrate god is more ready to forgive and to restore than we even want restoration and to be restored amen it's he's more eager he's more eager father we just thank you for uh, this story. We thank you for this chapter of Devarim, of Deuteronomy, the future of Israel and, and the Messianic times, and for this, for your hand in our lives, Lord, and that no distance is too, too far, no time too, no length of time too long, doesn't matter. None of those things matter. All that matters is a heart to return and to learn, and to be rest- to to come back to you, the fa- our Father, with Arvinu, our Father. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. And if you've never made that first decision to just come back to your Father, to be restored to to Shuva, to say, Lord, I want to come to know you. I want to I want to receive the Messiah Yeshua. I want to humble myself and open my heart up to you, God. Thank you for sending the Messiah to die for me, to pay for my sins, so that I don't have to stand at that judgment day without without an atonement, without forgiveness, 
without an atonement, a blood atonement. Thank you for making the way for me. I want to receive Yeshua today. I want to receive you, Lord. Come into my life. If you can give me this healing, this new start, this new circumcision of the heart, this new beginning, Lord, I want it, and I'm receiving you today. If you're praying that prayer, then God is answering it. He hears you. He's hearing you. It's between you and him, not anyone else. You and him. Not you and your closest person that you know. It's between you and him. And he hears it and he's doing it. He's doing it right now. In an, in an instant. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.